17 again. 17 again was a movie from a couple of years ago with Zach Efron and Matthew Perry. Good movie like Mr. Destiny, Miracle on 34th Street. I think it's sort of like that. Someone wants to be something they weren't, go back to be what they could be, then they are, then they're not. 17 again is the nothing personal word of the day for Wednesday, the last day before the Major League Baseball season commences on Thursday, April 1st. But that's not why 17 again is the word of the day. 17 again. Oh, my God, Coca, that shouldn't be the word of the day. It should just be 17. But I'm always thinking about movies. I'm talking about the NFL. Big announcement. Been speculated forever. And it was finally made official. 16 games aren't enough for you. A nine and seven season feels mediocre. How about a nine and eight season? How about a 10 and seven season? How about learning to do math all over again? Hey, what a crappy team. We were three and 13. No, you weren't. You could be four and 13. You could be two and 15. The NFL is going to 17 games and everybody's happy. Well, hold on. Who's happy? Let's go down the list of people and organizations happy that the NFL is playing 17 games in the regular season starting next year. Let's start with NFL owners. Yes, please. Let's start with CBS, Fox, all the other broadcast partners. Yes, please. Let's talk about corporate sponsors. Yes, please. Let's talk about season ticket holders. Hmm. Let's get back to them. Let's talk about players. Hmm. Let's get back to them too. All right, we're back to them. What happened here? How did this all of a sudden out of nowhere, NFL this off season, it's been one announcement after another. There's been like 19 announcements. Number one, we have new TV deals. Billions of dollars, $110 billion. Number two, we have a new collective bargaining agreement. We have long-term labor peace. Hip, hip, hooray. Number three, we have the right to go to a 17-game season. We don't know whether we're going to do it. We're going to study. Roger Goodell was big into that. And he talked about it in his statement, which we're going to talk about too. He said, <laughs> we're going to study everything and see if it makes sense to go to 17 games. Well, we should have known that he meant C-E-N-T-S, not S-E-N-S-E. So the players got railroaded, right? That's the what the talking heads are saying. That's what the discussion is. Players lose again. Weak union loses again. Smith, bad union leader. Players get railroaded. Nope. So when you sit down and do a collective bargaining agreement, there's certain things that you know are going to happen in that agreement, certain points that you are going to lose, and therefore you start looking. You, you guys are experienced in this right now because we've talked about CBAs and CBA negotiation. And believe me, there will be more when baseball starts its negotiations after the season. But you have your list of things that you know you're not going to get. You have your list of things that you want, that you have a chance to get. You have your list of things that you want and you think that you will not get, so it's below 50%, and you do that same list for what the other side wants and what the other side knows it's going to get, what the other side knows it needs to get. NFL did not need 17 games. That was not on the need column. 
it was a want column because they were in the middle of negotiating with the broadcast partners for an extension. And they knew that mathematics works the following. When you offer broadcasters 17 weeks of a regular season, 16 games per team plus a bye week, you're going to get X dollars. But if you offer 17 games in an 18 week regular season, you are going to get X plus dollars. You know, for every dollar you get, you are going to share part of that dollar with the players. You know that the NFL has a salary cap. They have a revenue sharing system. Football related income gets shared. TV revenue counts as that national TV revenue because there really is no local TV revenue. So, you know, for every dollar increase you get, you're sharing 48 cents of it. No problem. Why wouldn't you get an extra dollar in revenue? Even though you're not getting the entire dollar, you're still getting 52 cents more. So, of course, you're going to do it. Where else are you making more money if you're the NFL owners? Well, for all you season ticket holders out there in New York or in Kansas City or in Jacksonville, if you take a look at your invoice when you receive it for the 2021 season, let's say there are two home preseason games and eight regular season games, and you pay $50 for your ticket, you get an invoice for $500, eight regular season games plus the two preseason games, which they charge full freight for, which I always found to be questionable at best, except you can't get the regular season season ticket if you don't take the preseason. It's not like that. The reason teams do that, of course, is obvious, because if you gave a customer a choice to buy preseason games, they would say, thank you, but I'll take a hard pass. No, they're going to get you. So now you're going to look at your invoice and you're going to see, ooh, why is my invoice now $550? Oh, we've got nine home games plus two preseason games. That's 11. Yes, add that up for all season tickets. Then add up the individual tickets for that extra home game. Even though I believe the way it'll work with scheduling is every team will have an extra home game every other year. So it's like a half a home game per year. It's like that leap year thing we talked about. Were we doing a show, Coke, on leap year where we said that happy 365 and a quarter day because the earth revolves around the sun every 365 and a quarter days. But instead of adding a quarter day every year, you just add one day every four years. And then it all evens out in the end, sort of assuming the world keeps going. So you really get an extra half a game every year, but it's only one game every other year. So fans have no choice. They're going to pay. Broadcasters are willing to pay more. Players are going to share in the money, but players got huge concessions with this 17th game. Huge. The first concession they got is related to practice time. Not as much practice time in pads. Not as many preseason games. Does that really matter? So what I want to mention to you is this. When you're Roger Goodell and you're trying to have a relationship with your union, and you're trying to keep peace, even though there is no reason for peace, given the fact that you've got a labor deal, although it's always easier to get along with your union, even though you can't always, but it's better always to get along. Roger Goodell decided that he was going to release a statement. And this statement made me smile. What we're looking to do here is taking the data 
and actually the data. When you say that in a statement, just a quick note for Roger, when you say you're going to take the data, then you say and actually the data, as opposed to actually the data you make up or not actually all the data, just part of the data that helps you with your argument. Just don't even say actually the data. We're going to take the data, leave it up to people to say, hey, what data? Did you take the right data? Did you take all the data, some data? Did you take data from a source? It's like economic impact of all-star games and World Series and ballparks and sports teams. You can find whatever data you want. You can pay whoever you want to give you whatever number you want. Anyway, I digress. The actual data is the highest rate of injuries is actually in a preseason game or even our practices. What we're actually doing is actually following the data. It's a lot of actuallys. Following the science. It's good to say that right now, right? Because during this time of COVID, you want to say we're following the science. We're following it right into the grave. No, you should follow science. It's just funny to say. We want to make sure that we're doing things both from a health and safety standpoint, as well as seeking always to get better in every way. There's not one mention so far of the economic benefit of a 17th game, but let's see if it comes. Hold on, there's more. This will not be the end of any of our health and safety initiatives. A large part of our presentation today was on health and safety and talking about steps that we will continue to take to try to make our games safer, whether they're equipment related, practice related, helmets in particular, rules related there's still a lot of things that we're really focusing on. We're using the data to inform our decisions. And this is another case of that. OMG. That's a full paragraph. Where's the money? Yeah, let's get back to it. It's going to come right now. I think without the efforts that we've done collectively with the NFL Players Association, who has all of this data in the last 12 years, I don't think we'd be in this position. We started discussing this prior to the CBA in 2011. We agreed not to do that. In fact, we made some other changes in that agreement not to be able to do that without the concurrence of the NFLPA and our players. And they agreed to that. I think in large part, the steps that we've made have been effective in improving the quality of the game and most importantly, the safety of the game. Hold on, there's gotta be more. Is there more, Coca? Why is that the only part that I'm reading in, in the document for today? Where's the part about the broadcast deal? Where's the part about the extra money that they're getting from the extra home game locally? Where, where, where is that, Coca? It's, it's got to be there, doesn't it? No, no. Yes? Please. Find it, Coca. Put it in there, would you? We should have covered this before the show. You know how it works. We talk about every show the day before, then the morning before the show, before we record. How did you not notice there's nothing about what Roger was saying about what it means to have a 17th game and the sole reason they're doing it had nothing to do with health and safety. It had nothing to do with the data. G-M-A-B. It's a bunch of horse hockey. Just say it. We wanted an extra game because we laid the groundwork for this for the last 10 years because when you look at teams and when you look at the ability to increase revenue, one of the ways to increase revenue when you've got demand is to give more supply. And the NFL has an excess of demand on the broadcast side. They have an excess of demand on the attendance side. So you might as well add a game. By the way, Roger Goodell also announced that he expects full stadiums in 2021 
season starts, I would assume in September, the way the vaccines are going. And we did a segment on that yesterday on nothing personal. The way vaccines are going, I would expect there may require a vaccine, proof of vaccine. I wonder if the future Coke, I was just thinking about this, actually, literally. So we didn't stop saying literally, David. Although it really was literal that I was just thinking about this. Why can't I say literal if something's literally just happened? I wonder whether parties are going to be like uh, like weddings or games or airplanes or restaurants if you'll have to show proof of vaccine. It's going to be interesting, actually, if that's the case, because that could lead to a lot of uh, uh, increase in the disparity in socioeconomics or religious discrimination. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. You have to get a vaccine. It's the smart thing. I think when you go to school, when I went to school, I had to have a, vaccine, a bunch of vaccines. When I went on Survivor, I, had, I got this yellow vaccine card. They gave me every vaccine under the sun. Everything. It's just liability, right? I think it's going to be the case where fans are going to have to be vaccinated. Or maybe like the heat, there'll be vaccinated areas. That was funny. All right, Roger. My word of the day was 17. Congratulations on the 17th game. Congratulations to CBS. It is really, really big news because we get an extra regular season game and we know that regular season games rate higher than the Harry and Meghan Markle interviews. Hip, hip, hooray. I think they also may rate higher than World Series games, which is really depressing when I'm in the CBS HQ studios watching a World Series game on a tiny TV in the corner because there's the Thursday night football game going on. Believe me, I know where our bread is buttered. And that's good for us, actually, Coca. The more money CBS makes, the better it is for nothing personal. So the NFL announced the 17 games, except one of their star players also made news yesterday. It can't get out of the news. It's the lead story every day. We keep doing updates, but we have to do another one. I feel as though I want to follow the Deshaun Watson story, partly because I feel a sense of a regret over two words of the day when I had frivolous as the word of the day regarding the Deshaun Watson lawsuits, when there was a rumor of the three or five or six lawsuits, we're now up to 19 lawsuits, plus a anonymous woman named Mary. That's not her name. She changed her name for purposes of the story where she told the story. She's not a plaintiff because Tony Busby, the lawyer, tried to hire her as a client and she passed. So she's got her own lawyer now, but she hasn't filed anything. But she told a very similar story. All the stories are basically the same. Deshaun Watson is a serial massage getter. Uh, we we have on staff. You know, when you run a team, part of you, one of your employees, you you have masseuses on staff because players need sports massages. And those are the ones that they go deep and they really hurt. And there's no pleasure at all. Believe me, there is no pleasure at all when you have a sports massage done the right way. It's not a Swedish massage. It's not a little rubby-dub-dub. It is right deep down into the muscles. I would get a few of those while training for marathons, and I hated them, but they're really good for getting rid of the lactic acid, and that's actually what is hurting when the lactic acid is coming out of your nostrils or whatever happens. But masseuses are professional lactic acid reducers and their professional pressure point finders. And it's very good when you've got a, a body that is doing things that it shouldn't necessarily be doing, like throwing 90 miles an hour, like getting hit at full speed, even though you're wearing these great new helmets, which the data said are going to protect us from concussions, or when you're trying to run a bunch of marathons and you're an old man. 
But Deshaun Watson apparently gets a lot of massages, not a lot of sports massages. And he gets them for a long time. One of the lawsuits claims that or maybe it was Mary said that it was a two and a half hour massage. I've never heard of such a thing. That's a 60, 120, 100. And how's my math doing? I got enough fingers and toes. 60, 120, 150, 150 minute massage. So I am not in any way making light of these allegations at all. It is a concern. As a matter of fact, the GM of the Houston, of the Houston Coca, I am blanking. Oh my God. Today must be Pizza Wednesday and I haven't had pizza. What is the name of the Houston team? The Houston Texas. Oh my. Please forgive me. My name is David Sampson. I was born on February 26, 1968. I've done my share of things that may have eliminated from brain cells from time to time. But one of the things that happens as I get older is I can't necessarily, does this happen to any of you where you have a word right, right here at the tip of your tongue and you just can't remember something? We are the Houston Texans, Houston Tech. Wait, that wasn't the song. That was the Dan Pastorini-led Houston Oilers. Anyway, Nick Casario is the new GM, remember? that Deshaun Watson wanted to say and who the new GM was, who the new coach was, and he didn't get a say. As a matter of fact, the people he wanted weren't hired, and Deshaun Watson demanded a trade. Where was he going to get traded? They weren't going to trade him. They said they're never going to trade him. We said he may sit out, but he's not going to sit out because then he's going to lose money because they can start finding him. Why would you trade the third-best quarterback in the NFL? Well, you need a haul bigger than Matthew Stafford, yada, 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 yada. So the GM finally had to say something. The coach hasn't said a word. The team hasn't said a word from the beginning, except when they said in the beginning, we are going to cooperate with the NFL and whatever investigation they're going to do. You can't really do anything right now. It's way too early. There's been no criminal investigation started. No grand jury has been convened, but the GM admitted it is troubling. The GM said we cannot condone this type of behavior, this type of treatment. He did not acknowledge that this happened because it, you, it's man's innocent until proven guilty in a court of law when it's criminal. But the fact is the NFL has a problem because one of the faces of their league is Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun, by the way, if, if the player were not Deshaun Watson who had 19 suits filed against him and he were number 69 on the offensive line, guess what? That player would have been released so fast your head would spin like a Linda Blair type spin, but the Texans are not cutting Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson hired Rusty Harden and Rusty Harden has, when you're hired as a lawyer in a situation like this, you really have to be very careful what you say because you cannot say something that is gonna come back to haunt you. You can't say, I unequivocally stand by my client. He did not do any of this. You never say that. You don't even ask the client whether he did it because you don't even want to know whether he did it. You just don't say anything that doesn't leave you room to say something different in front of a jury when the time comes to go in front of a jury or to make sure that you say in front of a judge if it's bench trial or to make sure that you can say in the media when the time is right to meet the media because you never want to say something, never, never want to say something that you can't walk back. Now, when I say never, I always acknowledge that you never say never. So Deshaun Watson came out and said, I've never been disrespectful toward women. We're already moving past that because it seems unlikely that 19 lawsuits plus a 20th possible person 
Maybe they're all making it up. Maybe it's the biggest conspiracy of all time. Seems doubtful to me. But new information came out yesterday that he is being accused to Sean Watson of deleting Instagram messages. Apparently on Instagram, you can do private messaging back and forth to people. And they call it DMing, which I thought was a Twitter thing. But Coca explained that you can DM that sort of like tissues versus Kleenex. DM is when you direct message on whatever platform you're choosing. So one of the lawyers, Tony Busby, one of the suits, one of the public pronouncements by the plaintiff's lawyer, who, by the way, plaintiff's lawyers like the ambulance chaser lawyers, plaintiff lawyers always use the media way more than defense attorneys, said that there has been a systematic deletion of Instagram messages and Rusty Harden called up to Sean Watson and said, listen, we're going to have to say something. We're going to have to find a way to not uh, have that be true. And here is why. One of the rules when you are in a lawsuit, here's how it works. And I know these things because I've been involved in quite a few, not having anything to do with massages, might I add, but having to do with business. Like anyone who runs a business, there's lawsuits galore. There's disclosures of lawsuits. It's just all sorts of lawsuits. The first thing you do when you hire your lawyer is the lawyer sends you an official correspondence that always says the same thing. Dear Dave, please be advised that you have retained us for the lawsuit of lawsuit Gimmel between John Doe and John Doe Corporation and the Marlins. And as of today, do not, and I repeat all caps, do not delete any emails, any correspondence. Do not throw away any mail. Do not delete or change your phone. Do not do anything to anything, period. If you have any questions, call me. So I'd always call a lawyer and I'd say, well, what about the text messages with this person, with that person? Save them. Yeah, but what about an email just talking about we're going to dinner like on Tuesday? Save it. What about an email to Michael Hill talking about acquiring a player? Save it. That has nothing to do with the lawsuit. Save it. The rule is simple. Save it. Don't delete it. Why? There's something called discovery in lawsuits. Discovery is a process that is agreed upon between the plaintiff and the defendant in any sort of civil or criminal suit. The judge basically will give you the rules of discovery and the rules will say what needs to be shown to the other side so the other side can either defend itself or can get the proof needed to prove its case with the preponderance of the evidence or beyond a reasonable doubt, whatever the category is, whether it's criminal or civil. Discovery is the system, just like it sounds, where you discover things that you may not have known. And if it is discovered that you screwed around with discovery, you are in trouble. You have violated the law. You have put yourself in a position where the jury or the judge 
is going to say, hmm, why would he be deleting Instagram messages or tweets? Or why would he be deleting pictures? Or why would he be throwing mail away? Or why would he be getting rid of email? By the way, just a little hint, even when you hit delete, it's not deleted, but we'll get back to that. Not today, because it's not part of the show, but just keep that in mind. So Rusty Harden said to himself, the defense attorney, Rutrow, we got to make another statement. This is not good. All right, here's what we're going to say. We're going to say like a lot of people, it's important. We want to say that Deshaun Watson is not acting as though he's in the middle of getting sued by 19 women over inappropriate touching at a massage or making women uncomfortable and being a sexual predator. We're going to say like a lot of people, Deshaun regularly deletes past Instagram messages. Okay. I don't think we're going to get an argument about that. What kind of messages do you all delete? Just ask yourself. You delete messages that you prefer people not to see, right? You delete messages that if we're seen, that would put you in a compromising position or you'd be embarrassed, right? It's called cleaning up your social media account before you apply for a job out of college. It's called cleaning up your phone whenever you go home, whatever the case may be. That said, Rusty continued, he has not deleted any messages since March 15th, the day before the first lawsuit was filed. Wow. Interesting. Did he know the lawsuit was going to be filed? All he knew is there was a rumor because Tony Busby came out and said that there could be a lawsuit filed. I can't believe that Rusty Harden, one of the greatest defense attorneys of all time, made the mistake of saying that it was March 15th, the day before the first lawsuit was filed. The law says it's after the first lawsuit's filed. It's when you get notice of the lawsuit. If you remember, Deshaun Watson came out and said, I haven't seen any lawsuit. All I have is some attorney saying that there's going to be lawsuits filed. If I started deleting stuff with someone threatening a lawsuit to me, my entire hard drive would always be empty. But he said the day before. Okay. Thank you. That's very well put. Why did he say that? Because he wants to make sure he doesn't violate the law. However, it's still not a good look for the jury that you deleted everything prior to March 15th. But okay, let's continue. We categorically deny. When lawyers use the word categorically, it's you're taught that in law school because you want to make it a blanket denial. You want to make sure that everyone understands you're denying everything that took place, not some of the things that were said or some of the things that people say happened. You want to say, we deny everything. And so you, you learn in like first year of law school, the word is categorically. That means in every category, no matter what's said about anything. Do you know that today is March 31st? We categorically deny that. Do you know that the sun is shining brightly? Nope, we deny that. We categorically deny that he has reached out directly to his accusers in an attempt to settle these cases. That is such lawyer speak. Why did he use the word directly? We categorically, categorically deny that he has reached out directly. Do you know what we used to call that in baseball? We would do this to the owner all the time. Plausible deniability. We're not going to tell you stuff that's going on because if you're ever asked about it, all you have to do is say, how the hell do I know? Well, you're the owner of the team. Yeah, but I don't know what the hell goes on with that kind of stuff. Plausible deniability. You really think that somebody reached out to settle a lawsuit, put an amount of money on the table 
and Deshaun Watson was not told that that was going to happen and was not told what the amount was? Do you really think that? Well, I have a surprise for you. Of course he knew, but Rusty Harden didn't lie when he said Deshaun Watson did not reach out directly. That made me laugh. That is pretty good. He then went on to talk about the opposing counsel and all of his statements about money. It's about money? This is about money? No way. There's no way they're suing him to get a settlement of money. They're suing him to make sure that this doesn't happen to any other masseuse anywhere. They're suing him to make sure that women are finally treated correctly. And if there is a financial settlement that comes with it, that'd be great. (sighs) Okay. I think we got to go to break. Let's change it up. We're going to review a movie that just came out. It's not really a... uh, It's a movie that has to be discussed. It just has to be. And then we are going to get to some MLB, baby. We are getting to some MLB. We'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you very much for downloading, following When do I stop saying subscribing, Coca, now? I used to say thank you for downloading and subscribing because there was a purple button that said subscribe, whether you're on Apple or Twitcher or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast, Spotify. Thank you for doing that, telling your friends about nothing personal. Let's keep this going. We are 45 minutes. We come to you every day, Monday through Friday. Maybe we'll take a day off here and there, but I hate taking days off because there's so much to talk about every day. You can watch us on YouTube at Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Be a subscriber. We watch a movie every day. I watched on Netflix something called Seaspiracy. And I wanted to talk about it for a minute because it bothered me. And I happened to watch it the day after I had an amazing sushi meal. And I love sushi. I started eating sushi forever ago. And I love Good sushi. I love mediocre sushi. I love going to Japan and eating sushi with Ichiro. I love going to the corner store and eating sushi out of a box at Publix. I just love eating sushi because I get to say it's raw fish and it's healthy. And I've always dreamt of maybe becoming Ari Gold one day. Is there any chance people get the Ari Gold reference, Coca? Anybody? It's too good not to go through. Ari Gold was played by an actor who I love named Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven, who is in Serendipity, among other movies, and he played Ari Golden Entourage. Jeremy Piven was doing a movie one day that were doing a play that he didn't want to do and he didn't show up. And he claimed that he didn't want to do it or didn't show up because he got sick because he had had too much sushi and had mercury poisoning. Well, it's possible. It's possible. So Seaspiracy starts off with a man and his partner who have decided to make a documentary because they were so despondent about the amount of plastic in the ocean. And I've seen a lot of shows about this. There's like this floating wad of plastic in the ocean. It's totally disgusting. And that's why you're supposed to recycle. And plastic just, it, it never 
disintegrates and therefore it has to go to landfills or it has to get dumped in the ocean and all these boats dump plastic and restaurants and individuals and people just dump their crap in the ocean and it's terrible. It hurts marine life and marine life matters and it's a whole thing. So this guy walks on the beach and he's picking up plastic and he he sees all the dead whales and the dead dolphins and the dead fish and the dead turtles and the dead everything. And he wants to save the species, save the animals. I get it. So I'm just thinking, all right, this is a movie about plastic. <sighs> but it wasn't. He then did some homework and realized that plastic actually is not the real problem in the ocean. It's fishing nets. Fishing nets kill more sea life than the plastic that's floating around because you always see the whales that wash up on shore and they're dead and they open their stomachs and out comes. Remember when Jaws came out and the shark would come out and they'd open it and all the cans would come out and all the plastic and all the crap? Well, that actually happens when whales are beached. You know, they've, they've basically eaten a 24-pack of, of water and a few Cokes or Pepsis, depending on who's sponsoring. Nothing personal at the moment. Actually, neither. So it's cola. But then he discovered that fishing nets make up 46% of the thing, of the garbage in the ocean, fishing nets, these huge commercial fishing nets that are used to catch fish, and that that ends up hurting more than the plastic. So I learned that, and I'm still watching the movie thinking, all right, we still have another hour left. What else is going to happen? Well, he then went to figure out what's going on with these fishing nets. So we went to a place in Japan where they catch and kill dolphins and it, there was a, and whales. And there was a movie about this called The Cove. And I believe it's the same area. So I said, wait a minute, I've already seen The Cove. I don't need to see The Cove again. This movie's getting a little too much for me. But then he moves on again. And then he gets to tuna fish. And he gets to tuna fish and he says, do you know on the can of tuna fish where it says dolphin safe? And you know how when you buy a six pack and you cut the, um, plastic circles that hold the six pack because your mom tells you that you don't want to have a fish get caught in those circles when it's in the ocean. So you cut it. Yeah, I stopped doing that. But anyway, you're supposed to do that. Then we discover that all of the times I buy dolphin safe because I don't want to kill the dolphins because I have a choice to buy tuna that doesn't kill dolphins versus tuna that does kill dolphins. Why would I choose to kill dolphins? Yada, yada, yada. It's all a scam. They don't know whether dolphins are being killed. So I said, oh, my God, what else is going to happen in this movie? He then goes on to talk about three other things that happen. And the bottom line is all the sushi I'm eating, all the fishing that happens. There's slavery that goes on. There is human slavery. There's dead animals. There's bycatching. It's a whole thing. Please watch Seaspiracy, then do your homework about it and then realize that you're still gonna go eat sushi, but there's just a lot of bad in the world. Seaspiracy, it's on Netflix. All right, by the way, I had sushi last night. <laughs> I did. MLB starts, MLB starts tomorrow. I love opening day. I used to love opening day when I was with the Marlins and the Expos because you're in first place. I never used to say I was tied for last place, even though you were. I was always say we're tied for first place. You have such hope. You just never know. I wanted to win opening day so badly. I don't know what my opening day record is, Coca. I know I lost the first opening day ever uh, in 2000 against the Dodgers. I believe it was a nine to four game. Kevin Brown beat Dustin Hermanson. That bothered me. There was an error on uh 
Michael Barrett at third base. I know that I lost opening day my first Marlins game when Orlando Cabrera hit a walk-off. I think it was a uh, some sort of single either to left center or right center, and Braden Looper blew the save, and it was snowing in Montreal. That was bad. But opening day, you just feel like when you lose, your season's going to be bad. When you win, your season's going to be good. Opening day's tomorrow. I'm excited. And I want to do the following. I want to tell you what's going to happen this season. We have this wait to see. I'm in total violation right now, Coco, because I completely forgot about what we talked about pre-show. He wanted me to make sure when I told you about Roger Goodell and the 17 games when this show first started that we had a wait to see a long time ago in September of 2020. September 21st of 2020, we told you the NFL will play at least two preseason games. By the way, yes, there are going to be three preseason games. 17 regular season games, three preseason games. We nailed it. We revisit it. Do you know why? Because we have accountability. Did you watch the uh, game last night, Coca? We did. We had UCLA beating, beating, uh, covering the point spread against Michigan. They actually won the game. We didn't need to get any points. So we got that nothing personal pick of the day right, which I don't even see in the show anymore. But the fact of the matter is that uh, Michigan lost, which means our wait to see for March 15th, 2021. Remember what we told you? Bet the under with the number one seeds making it to the final four. Well, it worked. We said take the under. It was two and a half. Guess what? Only two number one seeds are in the final four with Michigan losing. So March 15th of 2021, that's a yes. So now we're going to talk about the Major League Baseball season. There's a lot of excitement. If you're a Yankee fan, you're excited. You've got a healthy Stanton. You've got a healthy judge. You've got the best pitcher in baseball. The Mets have a new owner. They've got a new shortstop. We have one more day to see if Lindor is going to sign. The Padres... I mean, who wouldn't be excited about having Blake Snell and you, Darvish, join their rotation? The White Sox are all excited. They signed Liam Hendricks to close games. They believe they've got a chance. The Astros are going to play in front of fans for the first time since the garbage cans because there were no fans in 2020. The Cardinals traded for Nolan Arenado. The Dodgers signed Trevor Bauer to a three-year deal, but really a two-year deal. There's a lot of activity. A lot of stuff went on. So let's wait to see on the entire season. Ready and go. The AL East is going to be fascinating. The Red Sox stink, but don't worry, Boston fans. They've got LeBron as an owner. They've got $750 million of new capital. Oh, wait a minute. That's not for the Red Sox. Nah, forget it. The Red Sox aren't a good team. What about the Blue Jays? They signed George Springer, best position player. They got Ryu, best pitcher, their opening day pitcher against Garrett Cole, by the way, tomorrow, first game of the year. Great young players. Vladimir Guerrero lost weight, middle of their lineup. What about the Tampa Bay Rays? They always win, except they lost Blake Snell. They lost Charlie Morton. It never matters who they lose. Isn't Nick Anderson hurt, by the way, Coca? One of their bullpen arms? Doesn't matter. They'll find another bullpen arm. Division winner in the AL East. New York Yankees. I think this is the year the Yankees win the division. I think over a 162-game season, the Yankees are simply too good. In a 60-game season, you can have the Rays with the best record at 40-20 and 20 last year. But over 162, take the Yankees. AL Central. Everybody's picking the White Sox. Why wouldn't you? Not me. 
Minnesota Twins win this division. Take a look at the Minnesota Twins. They have Maeda as their opening day pitcher. They can back him up with Berrios. They have a lineup. They re-signed Nelson Cruz. Yes, he's 40, but take a look at what he does. Even in a dead ball era where the balls, I think, are going to have a problem this year, I'm looking at sluggers where it doesn't matter what kind of ball, and you're going to hear about this later with the Yankees, no matter what the ball is, someone like Nelson Cruz can still hit home runs. The Twins are deep one through nine. The Twins will win the AL Central. AL West, Astros. Garrett Cole is their starting pitcher, their ace. He's a good pitcher. Justin Verlander. Wow, what a deep rotation. Zach Greinke. Oh, God, wait, hold on. I got the wrong notes here. Garrett Cole's on the Yankees. Justin Verlander's out for Tommy John. They only have Zach Greinke pitching opening day. And who's behind them? And Springer's not in that lineup anymore. Correa is, but he's not extended. Altuve and Bregman, former MVP. Yes, the Astros are the best team in the AL West. I'm incredibly sorry to say it because I know you're all excited about Otani and how great a spring training he had and how you want Mike Trout to join Anthony Rendon in the newly revamped bullpen with the new GM. Everything's exciting with Joe Madden. Yes, yes, yes. Astros are winning the AL West. Let's go to the NL. NL East could be the deepest and best division in baseball. Whether you're the Marlins, the Phillies, the Braves, the Nationals, the Mets, you've got great pitching in that. In that, Actually, it's the best pitching of any division in baseball. You've got some decent lineups, but the Braves, to me, are the cream of the crop. The Braves win the NL East easily. NL Central, I said it when the Cardinals got Arenado. I love Yelly. I love the Brewers. You know that. But in the NL Central, it's going to be the Cardinals. The Cubs don't have a chance, so it's just about the Cardinals. NL West, Dodgers, Padres. Come on, San Diego. Really? Really? I mean, you're good. You've got Machado. You've got Tatis. You just signed Tatis. Everyone's all super happy. You improved your rotation. You improved your bullpen. You got some problems. Nope. Dodgers. All right. Who wins the wild card? In the AL, the next best teams are the White Sox and the Rays. The White Sox will play the Rays in the wild card game. In the National League, this is where we have a problem. I've got the Padres winning the wild card, playing the Nationals. When I look at the Nationals team with, with Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, I still believe that that rotation, however aged they are, and they're not spring chickens, when you've got Juan Soto on your team, who is likely the best player in baseball, I don't know if he's the MVP winner, but the best player in baseball, I see the Nationals winning the wild card, which means the Mets will not make the playoffs. I know that's disappointing. The Mets have three to five years to win a World Series. Don't lose your mind. It's going to be okay, but just not this year. All right, who's going to be in the World Series? After 12 years, there will be joy in the Bronx. The Yankees are going to win the pennant and they're not going to have a repeat of the 1970. When did they play the Dodgers in the World Series? Was that 77? It's not Yankees-Dodgers. There's going to be an upset in the National League. The Dodgers will not repeat. It's going to be the Braves. When you look at the Braves and they have Freed, they have Soroka, they have Anderson, they've got Freeman anchoring a lineup with Albies and Ozuna and Acuna and Darno. And on and on. Braves, Yankees in the World Series. Who's my World Series pick on your marks? Get set. 
the Atlanta Braves. Freddie Freeman will win a World Series for the first time in his career. And he will do it with the MVP of the National League. Back-to-back MVPs for the Atlanta Braves. Freddie Freeman won it last year. I've got Acuna winning the MVP this year. You're sleeping on this guy because he signed the deal for $100 million. You thought it was a joke. Why did he take that deal? You're all excited about these new great big signings. You've got Betts, and you've got Lindor maybe. You've got Tatis. Acuna is the best player in the National League. What about the AL? It is going to be the first time, and I'm making this up because I don't have the stat. Has there ever been a World Series with the MVP of each league playing in the World Series against each other? It's going to be Stanton. Stanton's going to be healthy. And when you talk about a healthy Stanton, you talk about him in 2017 with the Miami Marlins, my last year there when he won MVP. He's going to have that type of year because how whatever they did to the ball, Giancarlo can crush it. He's going to hit 50-plus home runs. He's going to give you 155 games. Giancarlo Stanton will be the MVP of the American League. What about Cy Young? Cy Young is going to be Garrett Cole in the American League. There's just no one close to him. I'm worried about Bieber with Cleveland, who won it last year. I'm worried because Cleveland's not as good a team. I'm worried that Bieber will not be able to have the type of season over 32 starts that he had in 2020, over 10 or 11 or 12 starts. But I assure you, Garrett Cole is going to be dominant. In the National League, Jacob DeGrom. It's going to be very depressing for Mets fans watching the best pitcher in baseball win his third Cy Young in four years on a team that underperforms. But Jacob DeGrom every five days will give you reason to hope and love. I've got DeGrom winning the Cy Young. What about some surprise teams? I've got the A's ahead of the Angels in the American League West. The Oakland A's, if you look at their record over the past two, three years, they're always one of the best teams. They lose players. They lost Marcus Simeon to the Blue Jays. They lose players every single year. It doesn't matter. They're like the Rays. They find a way. I don't know that they make the playoffs this year. I didn't pick them to make the playoffs because the playoffs aren't expanded. But the A's will finish ahead of the the Angels. Surprise team in the National League. How about the Marlins? The Marlins have a rotation of 25-year-olds. I think their oldest pitcher is 25. Every five days, they have someone, every day, they have someone coming at you. They've got Sixto Sanchez, who's going to miss the first run through the rotation, but he may be one of the top uh, uh, pitchers in baseball, could easily win rookie of the year. The Marlins' offense is mediocre at best, but the surprise is that the Marlins will not finish in last place in the National League East. The Phillies will. I am down on the Phillies. This is Bryce Harper's third season in Philadelphia. They tried to improve their bullpen. They've got Nolan Wheeler going back-to-back in their rotation. They brought in Archie Bradley. They re-signed JT Realmuda. They re-signed D.D. Gregorius. You know what? There's just something about that team with Bryce Harper. The Marlins will finish ahead of the Phillies this season in over 162 games. Believe me, that will be a surprise. Now, I know that you guys thought on today's show that I was going to talk about the Marlins naming rights deal. I know that because they signed one. So you said, I'm tuning into this show because I want to hear what Samson has to say about Lone Depot Park. But you're just going to have to wait another day. And I assure you, it'll be just business. This is nothing personal.